This is the Ridge Hunter Outdoors podcast. For sure, the blinds is a big one. Yeah. Um, if you've got blinds this time of year where you can get out there on those cold days, because, uh, you know, some of the best hunting still is if you get like a stretch where it's been in the 40s and then all of a sudden it snaps down to highs in the 20s, yep. those first couple days are going to be pretty good because the deer are going to be hitting the food. They got to get up. They got to move to stay warm mm-hmm. when it gets cold. They got to. They are going to be up moving around. You need to be able to to be where they're gonna be yep um but yeah if you can there uh can stand those those cold snaps like that they're gonna be up moving around hey this is episode 13 i'm kenyon clark uh, nate burgess is back this week and the old man scott is back so jeff's still out he's working still but we'll get him back on at some point too things are starting to slow down a little bit at the shop um, that's kind of what kept me from getting one done last week, so I apologize for that. I did have one a week before, so we did miss a week, but we're back on, and I've got some company now, so you don't have to just listen to me ramble on by myself. Um, we didn't miss a whole lot last week. I did talk about a little bit of second rut stuff before that, which we probably just went through. Um, actually, Mom was driving around yeah, a couple nights ago, said she saw a buck chasing a couple does, so I assume that's we're kind of towards the tail end of whatever breeding has left and it being done at night is no surprise after all the pressure and all that so we would would have been kind of maybe struggling to find something to fill the gap between the second rut podcast and this one anyway because today we're going to talk about the late season since it's the second week of december um some seasons have already closed up ours goes for another month almost on the dot uh, like the 14th or 15th of january uh middle of january so we still got another month to hunt, and we're going to talk about an article by Greg Miller called It's Never Too Late in the February edition, actually, of Bowhunter Magazine. So it's the winter special, so it's kind of catching December, January, February. So we'll get into that. He talks a little bit about what you can do in the late season and uh, really kind of how tough it is, because it is a tough time of year to hunt, um, not only because the deer, but just the weather in general and all that. So... Before we jump in, though, uh, Nate, you been getting any pictures anymore on your uh, cell cameras or anything, or what's the movement been like? I know you ain't been out, but uh, yep. any pictures uh, or anything? Uh, I would say the last week I did have more action uh, on the cameras. Uh, after first gun season, I bet you had two weeks where I didn't have hardly any pictures to speak of. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the silly things did. Um, I didn't think we had too much pressure, uh, except for when I killed uh, that buck and drove back there uh, all the way to the back of the property to get him. Right. We went back there on the side-by-side to pick him up. Um, that was, uh, of course, that's a lot of pressure, uh, but for two weeks, I didn't have hardly yeah, any Yeah, it's pictures. not that much, you would uh, think. I don't know if that just plum freaked him out or what, you know. No. Uh, but anyway, uh, whatever the deal was, I wasn't getting pictures of him. Uh, of course, you know, they're still moving somewhere, right. uh, maybe at night, yeah. you know, um, but they just weren't hitting the cameras. The last week, uh, I've had some decent bucks, what I think are the most mature bucks that are left, mm-hmm. three-year-olds. Um, I've had a couple of them hitting the cameras. They're working scrapes again. Uh, mm-hmm. They're working scrapes and licking branches. Um, yep. And, I mean, he'd stand there for uh, three or four minutes, you know. Uh, really getting his scent on that licking branch and stuff. Um, but uh, they were on the way out. Uh, every time he's coming out of the thicket, heading out to the uh, winter wheat field. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's going out there. I'm sure he's eating, oh, yeah. and I'm sure he's checking, uh, hoping that he can find a last doe or two. Uh, but that's what my cameras have been showing, uh, probably going back on the feeding pattern. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've not been seeing any mature bucks, but I I don't know that I got any left. Right, in, that, in your particular area, so... Um, at the shop, I know the last the muzzleloader season, third gun weekend, whatever you want to call it in Illinois, was decent. But have, I mean, just as in general, the last week, last couple of weeks at the shop, um, obviously things have slowed down since gun weekend. But what's kind of looking like around here? You know, we haven't seen any 
very, very few or any mature bucks uh, since gun season. Um, does, mature does, small bucks, but uh, I'd have to agree with you. I, obviously, they're there. Uh, just a little bit different pattern for them, a little, little bit different season for them, I think. Um, he doesn't hit on it in the article, but since you mentioned it, and we may be getting into the last few days of it, but the scrapes thing, if you do have a scrape line, pay attention to that thing because if it's if this starts heating up again, then you likely have a good buck, uh, maybe not a mature buck. You got bucks in your area um, looking for those last does that are left. So maybe for a few more days, that can still be. If you got a really good community scrape, they'll use those all year round except really for during the rut mm -hmm. so now it's kind of the time of year where you can get back on those things and put a camera on them maybe hunt over them yeah check out what's going on there yeah it's noticeable um because uh, some of these younger bucks uh and even even that one uh decent one that's hit at a time or two they walk right past it um eh, two weeks ago you know uh, when i was getting very few pictures any of them that i got they weren't concerned with that licking branch or scrape at all this last week, for whatever reason, uh, a couple of different times, that decent buck, he's been on it. Mm -hmm. He's been working that licking branch, making himself known, yep. you know, um, and uh, and then heading out to that winter wheat field. Yeah. Well, you know, there are three and a half, two and a half, three and a half year old bucks out there, a lot of them, because uh, next year, uh, the four and a half year olds are three and a half this year. So it's not like they just spring up overnight. Yeah. Uh, they're yeah. there. They may be hiding. Yep. <laughs> they, they may not be interested. You may not see them, but yeah. it's not because they're not there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had a really good kill this year on, on mature bucks and big bucks. And, yeah. And so, but, but the younger ones are, will grow up next year. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say I don't, last year, I think we had a, bigger number of mature bucks but this year we had a bigger number of bigger racked deer i don't remember seeing last year i couldn't remember seeing that many just mature bucks this year i don't remember seeing this many big racks so maybe not quite the same number of mature bucks but the ones we did get there were more really nice deer like you know 170s plus than i remember seeing in a long time not to say every other deer was 170 but just the amount of them we had seemed like a lot. Yeah, normally you don't see the the two hundred inch plus deer that we saw this year, and and uh, that's they're out there. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's just a product of the, I think the herd maturing a little. Mm -hmm. um, we're five six years off this EHD, so mm -hmm. you're getting those those mature bucks out there. So yeah. the herds the herds maturing. And there's some guys reaping some benefits, yeah. some nice benefits from that. And we um, had we had a good spring too, didn't we? Mm -hmm. They had everything they ever could mm -hmm. have wanted to eat. We had nice winters. We've had good yep. spring. We've yeah. had a, a wet a wet spring, so we didn't have the we didn't have the uh, stagnant waters yeah. mm -hmm. that, that bring along the EHD and stuff. And I think it speaks to a lot of the management that's going on now. Not obviously not at a state level. But like at a micro level with guys on their own properties or out-of-state guys coming in wanting to kill big deer so they're managing their ground, um, it's almost like a, like there's some dumb fads that come along with it that we all see. But, you know, the guys are in the right frame of mind now that you can't kill those little bucks if you want to kill the big bucks. They're yeah. getting food out there for them. They're improving habitat for them. I think it really speaks to how big that's getting. And in the social media world that we live in, that's probably a benefit of it mm -hmm. because guys are seeing what other guys are doing and they want to do it and put it on their social media and whatever. Yep. There's so much more information now. Guys are taking that in and whether they're using all of it the right way or using all the good information, there is enough good there that we're seeing the benefits of more and more people managing for big deer. Yep. In my mind, I think that's part of what's going on too. Yeah. Overall, it's apparent that there's a lot, a lot more guys all the time even actively trying to make things better for themselves mm -hmm. and, and that's going to spill over to everybody else yep whether it's just a little food plot or you got a guy who goes in there and has a whole habitat plan and does tsi and food plots and bedding areas and stuff like that even just that little bit even it's just a quarter acre food plot is going to help you know so i think there's more and more guys doing what they can on the, based on their property or their you know financial ability to do whatever uh, whatever resources they have you know, to use, I think there's more and more guys utilizing what they can um, and, and 
improving their habitat, which, I mean, like you said, if your neighbors are doing it and you're doing it, you're both going to benefit from it. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody's oh, on the yeah. same page, and they're not killing as many, you know, young deer. Not to say we don't still see a whole bunch of young deer get killed, and there's fine, you know, but there's a lot more people, I think, now, too, that are uh, managing for bigger deer. No, there's there's no question. I, how many 200-inch deer have you saw in, in the last 10 years? Now, don't be saying that too much. We don't need people to know just exactly where this is happening. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, like in uh, Kansas, for instance. <laughs> right. But let's just say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, uh, uh, I mean, there was one killed not too far from home this year, um, and, he, and he definitely went over 200. Mm-hmm. And holy smokes, you know. I've seen yeah, how many woods. times have you saw that in the uh, last five years? Uh-uh. You haven't, right? Yeah. And so, so I haven't either. So in the years past, you have you know, mature herds, mature deer, big deer, and then you have EHD, and then yeah. this and then that. And as we continue to grow, so did the deer, and as they continue to manage better, better management produces a little bit better. So mm-hmm. 10 years ago, 160 was talked about. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Five years ago, 180 was talked about. Yeah. Today... We're we're two hundred. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's where we're at uh, in Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but but you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because and I think that, that that does speak for a lot of the guys that are managing herds. Yeah. Are putting the food plots out? Are putting the time out? Are saying you know what? It's okay to kill that young buck if if that's what you want to do. But that's not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm past that. I'm over that. I've done that. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Wherever you're at in that, I think there's more of us in the latter stages, and it's definitely showing in in the horn in, yeah. in the bones. Yeah. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, sitting sitting here thinking, I, uh, of course, I know we're we're all thinking of that one buck. Um, he, uh, gosh, he wasn't five, maybe seven miles from home, and I can think of another one that was about five miles the other direction, and mm-hmm. he was a definite over 200 inch buck, mm-hmm. and that's just two of them that I know of, and I wouldn't. Have told you i don't think i would have told you that there was maybe but one or two of those in the county right you know um, yeah and we've seen and we a lot of them yeah a few uh, that's yeah, surprising yeah. more this year i think i saw the biggest deer i've ever seen in person this year that came from relatively close and i saw more deer 190 plus that were killed you know this year not necessarily here but the general region yeah than i remember ever remember seeing yeah. close you enough know? to come into the shop either yeah. Either, yeah. either for us to process or uh on the taxidermy side yeah close enough i can for, think for of the region at least five offhand deer that 190 plus yeah and that, then the 170 inch deer comes in you're like yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> you know five that are 200 plus or 190 plus uh this year previously you're talking about five years to get five mm-hmm. maybe that's where we're at yeah. and that's a good place to be oh yeah and that's a great place to be if absolutely. you're hunting yep. absolutely you know and like that 170 inch deer that you're seeing from the stand and about to shake out of it which i mean i'm be tickled to death you know oh yeah 150 inches is still a good deer you know but yeah after you see them in the shop you know 170 looks not that big compared to a 210 yep. inch deer oh man uh that one killed in the county south of here, you know, yeah, almost 210 inches. Yeah, out of state guy. Gosh, on around agricultural ground that has not necessarily been managed as far as a lot of food plots or a lot of habitat improvement, but just guys not killing small deer. Yep. and letting them get big. Yeah, so go. It speaks a lot to that kind of stuff. I yeah. think so. Definitely beneficial for all of us deer hunters. Oh, um, yeah. I can't say I've... In Kansas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't say I've seen more out of the stand this year because I haven't got to spend as much time as I wanted to, but just overall seeing guys and uh, even one of the local um, game officers, uh, you know, talking to him, uh, he's same kind of the same thing. He said he's seen more 185-plus deer killed this year than he ever remembers, ever yeah. remembers seeing. So, yeah. It's not just here, you know, and I can only imagine what's up there in the Golden Triangle. So if you're wanting to come to Illinois, that's still the place to go in my mind. I mean, you just go up there and spend your time and money up there and kill their big deer because, you know, 
there ain't a thing happening in the 618 area. That's right. <laughs> None of those down here for sure. But <laughs> anyway, uh, so we'll get into the article a little bit now. Um, like I said, it's called Never Too Late, or It's Never Too Late by Greg Miller. Um, he starts off and he says, if you can stand the cold and if you have the right food sources nearby, you can find late season success. He said, let me lead, this, lead off this article by saying, it's my honest opinion that trying to arrow a mature buck during late season is one of the toughest tasks facing us whitetail bow hunters. And while I know that arrowing a mature buck during the mid-fall transition period can be difficult, it pales in comparison to accomplishing the same feat during the late season. To begin with, we all know that transition period buck behavior doesn't last long and will soon be followed by pre-rut and rut behavior, but late season buck behavior drags on for many weeks, oftentimes right up until the end of archery season. And during this time, mature bucks can become super reclusive, display hypersensitive behavior toward any type of human pressure. And here's another reason why I feel the post-rut period can be one of the toughest times in which in which to try to kill a mature buck. First of all, mature bucks and whitetail deer in general have been subjected to a tremendous amount of hunting pressure for the previous several months. Second, mature bucks are in very definite post-rut patterns at this time of year. What this means is that they aren't being distracted in the least by any sense of breeding urge. So, kind of a lot to unpack there in just the first part of that, which uh, I agree with a lot of what he's saying. Um, it's a really tough time of year to kill big deer i'm gonna say it's not all that tough to find them if they're still alive in your area um and we'll get into like weather patterns in a little bit but uh if you've got the food source like he said you have a good chance of seeing them the problem is a lot of those food sources around here unless you've got a good late season food plot those big ag fields that have been cut um, or shelled, whatever's left out there, or maybe a winter wheat cover crop like what you're talking about. They're so big, you can't really pattern where they're coming out, and then you see them out in the field two, 300 yards away, out in the middle feeding with all the does. So it can be a little discouraging, too. Uh, you can see them, but you just never can get on them. So I think that makes it tough as well. Um, just on that part of it, like he said, you've got you've got the food, but it's a matter of finding where they're coming and going to it from, I think. And, and a lot of times, what he said there, they've been subjected to so much pressure by now. We're through our three gun seasons. Uh, the first two put them through the ringer just like they do every year. Uh, and those deer are on edge, man, after those gun seasons. Uh, there's just so much pressure. And we talked about that a couple different times, even before the season. You knew it was coming. It always happens. It's, I mean, gun season's a good time for people to get out and kill deer. It makes it really tough in the late season for archery guys to kill deer because they just, you know, they've been through the ringer. Um, yep, for sure. Um, yeah, they're on edge. Um, to me, they go back to their summer pattern, but it's uh, they're looking for what they looked for in their summer pattern. He wants to feel safe. Um, he's just completely run down uh, from the rut. Mm -hmm. Food's number one. Um, he wants to know he's got food. He wants to know he's got safe food. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he wants to be as close to that food as he can. So he don't have to go very far. Right. Um, so wherever he can be and feel safe, close to that food, um, he's going to be there, uh, water. Um, he's going to have to drink some, you know, uh, and then if stuff freezes up, I mean, that can change things. Uh, oh, yeah. but anyway, if your little creeks are freezing up faster or something, you know, um, he'll have to find a spot where there's, uh, some ripples or something. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, uh, food's number one, and then close bedding is number two. Um, he's moving as little as he can, uh, so that leaves your opportunity to catch him on his feet less. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, and like you said, uh, a lot of times we're looking at these big expanses uh, of field uh, that they're going out in, you know. Uh, you never know where he might be coming out in that cornfield. Uh, mm -hmm. But if you, if you got a shelled cornfield... Especially if you got a shelled cornfield where the guy didn't have his combine set right and uh -huh. it's about like a cedar out there, you know. <laughs> yep. There ain't nothing wrong with that if you're a deer hunter, but <laughs> yeah. that's not a good way to make money no. if you're farming. Um, and uh, I've never had much luck on a cut bean field. Right. Um, now, and again, if he didn't have his combine set right, uh, there might be beans out there. Uh, if you got standing beans, I know standing beans are becoming more and more popular as mm -hmm. a uh, as a food plot. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of that can be dynamite. I've seen pictures where it is. Right. Maybe they didn't have anything else around. That and that's is what possible. they're going to. 
but uh, I've seen uh, I've seen pictures and videos of uh, mm-hmm. standing bean plots that are just getting hammered mm-hmm. late season. Uh, and then, of course, your green stuff, your hardy green stuff yep. uh, that's left. If you got a good green food plot, that's good for them. It might not be their destination, uh, right. but that could be something that they'd get up and feed in in the daylight mm-hmm. before they go out to those big fields in the dark. Uh, so, yeah, food's number one. Yep. Um, uh, I'm going to hunt them in the evening. I'm not going to mess with them in the morning. Right. Uh, uh, not saying that can't happen, but... Uh, uh, the odds are certainly stacked against you. If you're a lot more morning. likely to mess something up than you are yeah. killing deer. and maybe never even know that you exactly. messed it up. Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, um, afternoon's king. Uh, uh, you got to catch him between the food and, and wherever he's bedding, mm-hmm. and that ain't going to be a long distance if, right. if he can help it. Yep. A couple things there that you was just talking about. The I think they do go to a similar pattern as what they were in the summer, the biggest difference being their bedding cover. Because we're in the summer when it's hot, and they want a little less of that stem count where there's some air moving, maybe, and some shade. Um, So they're in, like, maybe a more mature timber where it's a little more open. Mm -hmm. They're still now, and like, you know, we've said, they're so pressured, they're going to be in just that thick, nasty stuff still. Yeah. Where it's a little warmer, keeps the wind off of them, and they feel safe. Yep. If you've got something like that close to a feeding area, like you're talking about, that'd be a good place to look. Yeah. Um. Another thing you said about those beans, I think you're right. A shelled cornfield sim tends to be a lot better than cut beans. Yep. If you think about it, most of the time when deer are eating in bean fields, they're eating green off of them until they turn, and then they might eat the pods off the beans, which you'll see them doing that. But it gets to a certain point, I think, where those beans are not as palatable, you know, after they've been out for so long. Mm-hmm. And if they've been sitting on the ground for so long, it's not like corn where a bean will get soft and mushy maybe yeah you know yeah. a corn's gonna stay corn yeah. on the ground it's gonna be fairly hard yeah palatable for them um now once you get late late into the season if it gets really cold which we don't deal with a ton around here but the guys up north um there's some research that says the deer won't digest the corn right uh-huh. if it gets to a certain point yeah so they can't eat so much of it so maybe that's not not the best thing we don't deal with that a lot around here just because, yeah. you know, the temperatures and all. Because basically corn's all carbs. Mm-hmm. doesn't provide a lot of nutritional value to them. So they're still going to have to hit like those green sources too, which I think if guys are seeing them in a cut bean field, it's probably that there's some green coming up that they like or there's a cover crop there that's coming up like a winter wheat or something. Mm-hmm. And they're hitting that, not necessarily the beans left over. But definitely corn because they got to have that for energy, helps them stay warm. Um we try to stay away from really big food plots. Um, we'll go to a lot of guys' properties, and they want this great big five-acre, six-acre food plot. Um, it looks I, great on TV. Yeah, a two-acre food plot's huge. <laughs> yeah, And if is. you've got a two-acre food plot of like uh, what we kind of like to do, like a winter rye, winter wheat, uh, maybe some winter peas or forge oats on one side, and then on the other side you've got like the clover and the chicory and the brassica blend, um, like the radishes and uh, the turnips and that kind of stuff, the rape, um, that stuff, there's so much tonnage there mm-hmm. in two acres where it could become a destination uh, food source for them yes. on that big scale. Yeah. If you've got like the half acre, even the one acre, quarter acre plot, they're still going to hit that because they yeah. need that nutritional value too yeah. before they go hit those ag fields. Like you said, <laughs> obviously the greens are huge this time of year. Yeah. Um, this time of year is why you plant those not that they don't hit them the rest of the year because they do yeah um one particular plot two plots that i've got right now uh, the last time i was out there into november it was already they just the leaves gone off of almost all the plants out there mm-hmm. um the radishes and turnips you know still on the ground they were just starting to eat on those but you can look out across the food plot and you just see white stems yeah. sticking up you know look like yeah. straws in the ground yeah uh, where they just been hammering them yep. and i haven't been back there since then so i know now I'm sure they're working on the roots now, yeah. you know, the big plant itself. But yeah. those are really good food plots to have for this time of year. Yeah. So if you're thinking about, like, going into this next spring, um, keep that in mind. Um, wait and maybe hold some off till the fall and plant those for this time of year oh, rather yeah. than planting stuff in the spring Oh yeah, all over your property. So a little bit of diversity there. Yep. Um, but we'll get back into the article here. Um, he says... Uh, talks a little bit about the post rut. He said, while having to deal with the definite post rut conditions can be tough um, in itself for late season bow hunters, harsh weather conditions can also prove to be a major stumbling block. So um, that's a big one for late season. 
uh, we just got done talking about I, most of the time it seems like it doesn't get we'll have a snap where it gets really cold for like a week or something in December but it generally holds off till end of December January February mm-hmm. before it gets just brutally cold around here yeah but you don't have to go very far north for it to get really cold in December yep um, and even those stretches here where it gets really cold in December yeah Man, it's hard to go out and hunt when it's like that. Oh yeah, man, you gotta be tough. I, mm-hmm. I ain't, uh, man, I ain't tough enough for that. I really ain't. Now I know uh, one guy in particular I can think of. He just loves it. He eats it up. Um, man, I, uh, I don't know how he does it. Uh, I'd have so many clothes on out there, you mm-hmm. know. And I've done it. I've been out there. I have so many clothes on, trying to stay warm, and you're just miserable. Yeah. And then doggone, if it would happen, I don't think there's any way I could get my bow back. Exactly. I guarantee the string is going to be in my <laughs> in my uh, jacket. Uh-huh. You know. Um, Fingers too frozen to pull the trigger on yeah. the release. Yeah. I ain't, ain't going to want to touch the bow. I ain't going to want right. to touch touch the trigger. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but uh, and now we're also seeing a whole bunch of the uh, of the hard plastic blinds, mm-hmm. uh, the rednecks, the banks. Yeah the muddies all, all the different brands that there are anymore mm-hmm. uh that's kind of hunting in luxury right there <laughs> yeah. you know um, even the traditional blinds i mean that too, just something that helps this time of year yep um if if you're really tough and you're doing it out of a tree stand whatever you kill you deserve it that's right um, but uh but some of these guys are going to the uh to these big blinds and like you said even even just a regular ground blind something mm-hmm. to keep the wind off of you yeah and you can have a heater sitting right. there at your feet. Yep. Um, that's uh, that'll give you an advantage if you got pockets deep enough to go yep. that way. Yep, that's invaluable this time of year to be able to be out there. Yeah, um, just something to keep the wind off because, like you said, sitting up in a tree stand, I've done it before, where it's just brutally cold, you know, and you got that north wind hitting you. Yeah, and I was just hunkered up so tight that i couldn't see anything come by anywhere i'd just yep. pick my head up every now and then and you didn't even care if it did or exactly not. <laughs> you're just like man what am i doing out here but you stayed anyway you know yeah. like on that off chance some big buck's gonna walk by and you're not gonna be able to do anything but watch him anyway yep my hands are too cold to even take a picture with my phone yep you know so oh you gotta be tough to be out there right now yeah and that's i have some serious respect for the guys in iowa and Wisconsin and Minnesota, they're still out there hunting this time of year out of a stand or something. Man, that's yep. got to be tough. Which I guess they're a little more acclimated than we are down yep. here in southern Illinois. But golly, it gets cold, I would think. Yeah. That wind just cut right through you. But for sure, the blinds is a big one. Yeah. Um, if you've got blinds this time of year where you can get out there on those cold days. Because, uh, you know, some of the best hunting still is if you get like a stretch where it's been in the 40s and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden it snaps down to highs in the 20s. Yeah. Those first couple days are going to be pretty good because the deer are going to be hitting the food. They got to get up. They got to move to stay warm Mm -hmm. when it gets cold. They got to. They are going to be up moving around. You need to be able to to be where they're going to be. Yep. Um, But, yeah, if you can, they can stand those those cold snaps like that. They're going to be up moving around. Yep. As long, you know, and then it's like any other time of year. They'll hit those first couple days, and if it stays that way for a long period of time, the movement will slow down again. Yeah. But then when it rolls back around to another front coming through, they're going to be moving. So if you have the ability to be out there or you're tough enough to be out there in it, you got the blinds, whatever it is, uh, that's that's big right now. The weather conditions keep so many guys from hunting late season. Yeah. Um, even if you haven't, like if you're in the situation I am right now, haven't killed a, a nice buck yet this year. You know, just getting out there is the biggest part of it. Yep. And if it gets brutally cold like that, it's hard to get motivation to be out there. Yep. Um, so that's that's a big part of it I think a lot of guys struggle with, which understandably so. Um, <clears throat> he says here, a past late season bow hunt in North Dakota perfectly illustrates how severe the weather can be at this time of year. So he says, during the four days I was there, daytime temps just barely rose above zero. said, so now I'm talking here about daytime temps right around zero at nighttime, Temps were well below zero. Honestly, it even hit negative 35 degrees a couple nights while we were there. That is stupid cold, man. <clears throat> I don't know if there's a thing in that state that would have got me out of that lodge. <laughs> no, I don't know. You could have uh, told me there was a 200-inch deer there in the field every day at the same time, and I probably would have been like, mm, you know. Oh, man. Maybe I'll catch him next year. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Gosh that that's that's some serious colds like i said we don't deal with that here no, but but no. if you can stand it 
being even just as cold as it gets here, you know, that's a big part of it. Yep. Um, that was just, he goes on to tell a story about how he ended up killing a, a really nice buck uh, during that hunt. Man. Um, but it's just, you know, if, if you're looking to kill a big buck this time of year, you're going to have to deal with some cold, cold weather. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of ways to do that, like I said, the blinds and then. They do make some pretty good base layers oh, nowadays. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can buy the heated stuff. Yep. Um, I don't have any of the heated stuff, but when I do go out, I do layer up a bunch. Yeah. Sometimes that's still not even enough for me, though, to be in a tree stand, 20 yeah. foot off the ground with the wind whipping. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's you just hunt on the ground and you hunker up. Even that's a little bit better, but uh, yep. just being out there. And then he says, like we talked about a little bit, he tells a little story, and I'll read it here. Um, he says food is key. So obviously we've hit on this quite a bit and that's going to be a recurring theme throughout the late season is if you've got food, you're in a good spot. So he says his buddy, Matt had been chasing several big bucks that were focusing on their feeding attentions on one of the few standing cornfields in the area. So apparently he had standing corn left, which I would think would be really nice Mm -hmm. right now. And and rare. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Whether if you've just planted it around here, it's going to be, you planted it for a food plot. Yeah. Most likely. Yes. Most guys, I'm not saying some guys I know weren't really close this year to having yeah. standing corn in December, but most guys by this time got it out. Yeah. Um, so he says uh, they were focusing on these few standing cornfields. Um, he says with daytime temperatures hovering in the single digits, the bucks were making their way to the corn well before last light. After surveying the situation, he decided to place his portable tree stand along a runway that showed the most promise. So that right there, what he's saying... If it is that frigidly cold, it's likely that the bucks are going to move earlier because they don't want to just be laying down oh, for sure. freezing either. Yeah. They're going to be up moving, yeah. get the blood pumping, get out there feeding because they feed to stay warm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the ways that they stay warm. So that's a point to think about there too. He says, although he saw plenty of deer throughout this first hunt, he didn't manage to put his eyes on any of the bigger bucks he knew had been frequenting the cornfield. He says, but I decided to just keep hunting the spot as long as the wind was right, he told me. I figured that it was just a matter of time before one of the bigger bucks would make an appearance. Matt's thought process that it was just a matter of time eventually proved to be spot on. If memory serves me right, I was on my fifth or sixth hunt near the cornfield before a good buck finally showed up, he recalled. It was interesting, too, because the ten point definitely had only one thing on his mind, and that was to enter the cornfield as quickly as possible to feed. Considering the stretch of brutally cold weather we'd been experiencing... I can totally understand why he was in such a hurry. In any event, Matt let the big white tail close the distance to 20 yards before taking a shot. He said the buck made it less than 150 yards after crash- and then crashed to the ground. So right there, if you've got the food, they're going to be moving earlier too if it's that cold. Yeah. So if you've yeah. got one of those blinds that you can set up on that or you're just out there toughing it out, it's likely that they will be moving earlier because yep. they don't want to be cold either. Yep, um, that's right. And I, I, what he was talking about there where he said it's just kind of a matter of time, he thought, before those bigger bucks showed up. If you know you still have big bucks, like the situation you're in now, like you've pretty much decided that the mature bucks are gone. They've they've been shot. Yeah. Um, I guess most of them probably had been shot this year. Yep. Uh, Um, Your target bucks, anyway. Yeah. And you got one of them, obviously. Yes. Um, (laughs) I got the one I was after, for sure. And if you guys want to hear that story, go check out podcast 11 i think it was the funk the funky eight so yeah. you guys can hear a story about that one but anyway go ahead uh, there might be one left um uh and of course there was i uh, i don't know he was he's been around sporadically but i've not got any pictures of him lately mm-hmm. uh the one camera that he hit the most i haven't checked for close to a month now uh, yeah. so so he could have been on it i don't know mm-hmm. um but he was he was around sporadically um and things uh, things have changed for me. Everything I'm seeing changed so much with gun season. Uh, and again, I didn't even think we had that much pressure right, right there in my area. But anyway, uh, there's no telling where he could have went. Uh, there's no telling where he could have got killed. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, gosh, that, uh, that one real nice wide 10 pointer that I had, mm-hmm. we know that that thing traveled four miles uh, and that's in a straight line. Right. You know, yeah. uh, that, uh, that's, there's no telling how many deer are nomadic like that. Right. Uh, but just knowing exactly what he did, because there's no question it was him, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but anyway, that one deer that might be left, um, I uh, uh, 
things have changed so much. A lot of these younger bucks are now what's considered the mature bucks. You right. Know? Yeah. Uh, so things things have just really changed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, there might be one buck left, uh, but uh, but I don't know. Right. So if you're in that situation where like what you're talking about, it's going to be tough no matter what. Oh, yeah. But if you know you have mature bucks left, or even maybe just that one, if you can find the food source that the does are going to hit and they're out there early, man, that's where you need to be Mm -hmm. because they're over the breeding period. The bucks aren't harassing them anymore. Mm -hmm. They're grouped back up because they've had so much pressure, so more eyeballs. They can get away. I mean, they can see more danger. Safety in numbers. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So the bucks are going to be where those does are, not yeah. because they're looking to breed them, but just yeah. because they, they've grouped back up. Yeah. Um, and they may, they'll be with other bucks too and not even care now. Yep. Um, so if you can find where those does are coming out in a field at like 1 or 2 o'clock or even 3 o'clock, that's going to be a pretty good bet if you've got yep. mature bucks in your area that you're going to find them there. Like yeah. he was talking about, he hadn't seen them for four days, but he knew it was just a matter of time. Yeah. Because they were there yeah. and then he ended up catching up with that one. Yeah. So... If, if you can find the where those deer, the big number of deer are hitting those early food sources. Yep. And I've seen it, I don't know how many times, you know, you're sitting in the stand and the deer just start pouring out in the field early. You think, okay, well, I'm at least going to see something. Yeah. If you know he's still in that area. Yeah. And then sure enough, you know, whether it's 30 minutes, an hour before daylight, here he comes out into the field mm-hmm. with all those other deer. Yeah. Um, it happens a lot. So I think if you can find the number of deer now, uh, you're in a good spot. That's yeah. at least a good starting point. Yeah. And then you can kind of backtrack to where they came from and go find where they're coming to the field most often. Yes. And kind of narrow it down from there. Yeah. Um, if uh, if you're doing any scouting, it wouldn't take very long uh, driving past where you can hunt. Uh, if you're seeing them out there 20, mm-hmm. 30 minutes before dark, if there's a whole bunch of them out there, that's a good spot. If you don't see anything out there 20 or 30 minutes before dark, they ain't there. I think I'd go as far to say as don't waste your time there. Yep. Uh, you know, right. it, uh, uh, for me, I'd get burnt out super fast. Yes. Uh, you know, if I'm if I'm going out this time of year because yep. it is so tough. Uh, but if you don't know that you've got good food, uh, to me, you need to be thinking about trying to find someplace else. Uh, mm-hmm. You got to be on good food right now, yep. in my opinion. Yep. Either, or, or else you're really gonna struggle. Yeah. Either go find, maybe you pick up some new permission ground or you go ask around and try to find or buddy's got somewhere. And even if that doesn't happen, man, let that be a lesson for next year. If you've got anywhere you can put some food, get that stuff in there, man. Yeah. Um, and I know some guys are in a situation where they just can't, they don't have nowhere to, anywhere to put it. Yeah. But, didn't, and man, didn't if you, you can. Didn't you seed something? In some corn this year? I No, we'd talked about it several times. Okay. But it, by the time I'd you know, kicked around the idea, it was too late. Yeah. But I think that would be, uh, it was kind of, you're the one that brought it up, so you can kind of talk oh, really? about what you're talking about. But um, Okay. Um, yeah, it. Uh, I, ju- I just heard of it within the last year, maybe two years. Um, if you uh, it, say you don't have anywhere you could put in a food plot, uh, but you know the farmer, um, you got permission uh, on his field or on his ground completely. Uh, you can hunt the fence row, you can hunt the woods, whatever. Um, I, if if give you're you a on, quick example, so there's yeah. a, a 160 acre piece that I hunt that I will say is 85 90 percent field mm-hmm. agricultural field. There are no waterways, there are no filter strips, there is absolutely nowhere that I could ask to plant anything yeah um the rest of it that is not farm ground is standing timber um and a couple of fence rows and there's nowhere in the timber that i could plant anything either because i'm not going to go in there and knock down trees for sunlight uh-uh. um yeah. and the little bit of spot that i could put clover would not be enough to make any difference yeah so that's kind of an example of what you're talking about like there's just nowhere to put food so oh yeah yeah um or uh so so you're completely locked up with crops mm-hmm. um what i had heard uh this Whoever I heard talking about doing it, they went in, they sowed oats and standing corn. Um, they didn't, he might have took a little hand rake in there and tried to rough up the ground mm-hmm. between the rows of corn. Uh, but anyway, he went in there uh, on the outside edge of the corn. Um, I think he did say he cleared off the leaves and everything, um, maximized his potential to get something to grow. Right. It's not perfect. It's not ideal planting conditions for the stuff. 
Uh, but he's willing to put in the work and the money and uh, the time mm-hmm. to try to get something growing. He sowed those oats in the standing corn. The farmer comes through. He shells the corn, um, and he planted the oats at the right time, of course, in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, so the farmer comes through and shells the corn. All of a sudden, he's got uh, corn residue left out there. Mm-hmm. He's also got oats that is coming up, already established, and coming up in between those rows. Mm-hmm. Um, is it perfect? No. But if that's the best you can do and you're willing to do it, it might be what it takes to pay off for you. Yeah, it's absolutely better than nothing. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, and especially, um, it'd be tougher to do with beans just the way they're planted, you know. Oh, yeah, they're they're so close. Yeah, Yeah. you can't walk through the rows. But in a cornfield, man, that sounds like it could be a a really good idea. Like you said, not perfect. Yeah. Obviously, it's not like going out there and planting a specific food plot. Yep. But if you can get anything to come up in any decent amount, man, that's going to be good for you in the late season. Yeah. And if you don't have that right now, you're seeing why it would be a good idea. Yeah. Because um, if you got the food, that's where the deer are at. Like yes. you said, if you're driving around 20, 30 minutes before dark, you don't see any deer, man, just don't waste your time because you're going to get burned out. And yeah. that's another thing, even with the weather, guys getting burned out this time of year because you've hunted hard for two months, two plus months now, and you haven't got it done. You got to try to fight through that. And then you still don't want to, you want to maximize your time in the woods. So you don't want to be out there wasting time, not seeing any deer, put the time in, whether it's preseason or now even going out and scouting, like you talk about just driving around your hunting area. It won't take very long. Yeah. Find a place where there's deer. So you're not burning yourself out. Yeah. Especially now that it's so cold. It it takes, you know, if you're not seeing any deer and you're out there for the third day in a row and you haven't seen anything and it's 25 degrees, you're not going to sit there all afternoon. Oh, you're no. going to freeze out early, you know, walk back to the truck and go home and eat some supper. Yeah. You know? um, and permission farms now. Uh, so you do drive around, you do find a good one uh, that you'd like to try to go after, but you can't, uh, you don't have permission right now. Yet, um, a lot of people at this point in the season really don't care about anything anymore. Yep. Uh, a lot of these guys that are just out there for meat, um, uh, j- just out there to fill tags, mm-hmm. you know, they got their tags filled. They're not willing to hunt right now. Mm-hmm. And you say, Hey, you know, I, I'd really like to, to hunt your ground or something. You know, you find that door, you knock on it. A lot of them's going to say, yeah, I ain't going to go out there. Uh, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, now if that person, if whoever owns it is really managing their place, that's probably not going to work. Right. But, uh, people have maybe kind of let their guard down. Um, and would be more generous this time of year mm-hmm. because uh, whoever might hunt that normally, they're probably already done. Right. You know? And it may be one of those deals where you just say, hey, look, I'm not asking to hunt it next year or all year. Yeah. Can I just come in and hunt it the rest of the season? Yeah. Like you're talking about. It could yeah. be a really good time. And then even with the farmers, a lot of times they'll be hesitant to let guys hunt on their ground because they got crops out. And unfortunately, there are some guys that don't have a lot of common sense and they get a bad reputation for the rest of us. They just go out there and destroy everything. Yeah. Well, the crops are gone now. Yeah. So they're not going to be worried about that as much either, even if it's a place where no one's hunting, but the farmers uh, got the ground. Yeah. He may let you go out and hunt it now, yep. you know, that there's no crops out there where he might not have earlier in the year too. Yeah. So, yeah, knock on some doors if you have to, uh, for sure. That, yep. That, that can be a good way as any. I know a lot of guys that go out of state do that. Out of state's a strategy for them. They just find the deer go knock on the door if they tell them yes man you're in it if mm-hmm. they tell them no just go find another one yep. you know be nice about it you yeah. know don't be rude if they tell you no just okay thanks move on to the next one yeah and you know because people around here talk so if you're a jerk to the first guy that tells you no he's probably making a phone call to the guy up the road <laughs> hey if you see this guy coming around asking for permission yeah, you know so then right. you're already shot yourself in the foot but get into the end of this article um he says, summing it up, as I've pointed out in this article, there are a number of food sources that upper Midwestern whitetails and Midwestern whitetails will key in on during late season. Depending on the area the severe, and the severity of the weather, especially snow depth, like things like corn, soybeans, alfalfa, winter wheat, and acorns all can be major whitetail attractions when severe weather rolls in. Also, as I've mentioned, there are other cold weather conditions <clears throat> that can play a huge role in dictating how much daylight feeding activity late season bow hunters can expect to see. Approaching winter storm fronts, a sudden dip in temperatures, or maybe even a rise in temps after a stretch of brutally cold weather can induce whitetails to be more active. He said, but when it comes right down to it, the true key to realizing success during late archery season boils down to getting there, getting out there and getting after them. He said, when it comes to scoring 
On a big whitetail during late archery season, it's really just a matter of being out there. However, it's also wise to be on the lookout for approaching bad weather or a current stretch of bad weather that's about to end. It's been my experience that here in the Midwest, there is definitely such a thing as too cold and or too much snow. And when it comes to figuring out how much snow is too much or how cold is too cold, I guess that's where common sense comes into play. So there at the end, he just kind of sums everything up. Um, Be on the lookout for those weather fronts, whether it's a cold weather moving in or some nicer weather coming after it's been really cold for a long time. Because this time of year, the deer are kind of like us. Man, when it's been really cold, um, if they get their feet again, they're going to go hunker down and then till it's time to go feed again, you know, they're not going to be yeah. moving quite as much because they're conserving energy. Oh, yeah. They're not going to be moving as long distance. So when you hit that day where it's like 45, 50 degrees, maybe they're back up on their feet. Um, yeah. And I know um, one guy that we were talking about before the podcast, Dusty, has killed tons of big deer. He told me, I don't remember, maybe it was a few years ago now, he said uh, those like late winter, if you've got some winter wheat, uh, or winter rye, and you get one of those days where it's like 50, 60 degrees, man, go hunt that thing because it'll be hot. And yeah. sure enough, you know, the couple times that I've done that, when I've had wheat out there, it seems to be pretty good on those warmer days. Yeah. I don't know what it is about it. Yeah. Um, huh. But it seems to be really hot yeah. on, on those days. So, And that's one thing he was talking about, snow depth too, which uh, at this time last year we had snow on the ground. I saw it today. Yeah, we did. <clears throat> but yeah, we did. it's hit or miss around here mm-hmm. till like February. Yeah. But if you've got some snow on the ground, that makes a difference too. Because mm-hmm. if you've got something that's coming up that's over the top of the snow that's easy to get to, they're going to oh, be yeah. there. Oh, um, yeah. not, that's not saying they won't dig through the snow to get to something if there's nothing else around. But they're going to go to that easy stuff first. you know. Yep. So that's something to think about. Um, that kind of wraps up the article and everything I want to talk about as far as it goes. So um, we've hit on a lot of stuff as far as late winter. Um, I'm thinking... That will probably be our podcast for late winter hunting because the time we get here next week, it'll be almost Christmas, and then we'll have like two season, two weeks of the season mm-hmm. left, give or take, a little over that. Um, so I like I, th- I think probably talk about like the idea of coal bucks because I've been doing some reading on that. I think I said earlier this year I'd like to talk about that some. Um, and then maybe like back into killing does and stuff like that. So some kind of late stuff you can do there, but... Um, that's hopefully that'll help you guys out this late season the biggest thing he said there at the end and we've been talking about is man just being out there um even if you mess something up in the last three weeks of the season what have you lost you know you're not going to run him off for a year yep if he's living on you and you run him out for now and you don't catch him again till the end of the season he'll probably be back next year oh yeah um so try not to mess anything up too bad if you're still wanting to kill a deer, you know, mm-hmm. but if, if you go in there and you do, you haven't lost that much. I don't think so. Um, yeah. Just get out there after him, you know. Yeah. Um, That's what I'm trying to say, I guess. Yeah. Don't, don't be too worried about, like where we talked about earlier in the season, don't want to mess it up before even the best part of the season gets here. Yeah. The best part of the season is gone. Oh, yeah. Long gone. So if you mess it up now, haven't hurt yourself too much. Yep. Um, they... Uh... At this point, they're they're pretty much, in my opinion, they're they're pretty much where they want to be for the rest of the winter. Um, as long as they got food, they feel pretty safe. Um, you might you might even get away with mm-hmm. with messing up some, you know. Yep. Um, it might make him more nocturnal. It might change where he's coming out. If you got a big field, it might change where he's coming out. Um, but uh, but you might not even blow him all the way out right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I. Uh, that's just my opinion. Right. Uh, but yeah, if you're if you're willing to get out there and still put in the work, my goodness, get out there. You know. Yep. Uh, but uh, but try to. You gotta be. You gotta be close to food somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's. Uh, he's not gonna be moving very much except for close to food. Yep. And I think uh, one thing we didn't hit on was if you've got cameras, um, if you got a property where you think you still have a big mature buck, man, pour those cameras on that property, find out where he's at. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right now, you're, and maybe you're just still trying to decide whether that buck's still there or not. Run those cameras, man. Keep running them. Don't go take them down yet. Yep. Um, you can see if you've still got a buck that made it through season. If you do have one on your property, you can find out where he's coming and going, maybe, mm-hmm. from that food source. It would be a good way to do that. So stick with those cameras, too, especially yep. a cell camera. If you can put it up kind of in a tight spot you don't want to get into a lot, Yep. figure out where he's coming and going from in yeah. that food source. 
those can still be good this time of year. So that's that's pretty much going to do it for this week, I think. Um, we'll have another one on next week. Hopefully we'll have the full crew again at some point. I don't know when Jeff's coming back, but we'll get him back sometime. Um, probably be out of another article next week, I think. Um, I don't know. We'll decide somewhere between now and then what we're going to talk about. But it'll be a good one regardless. Um, thanks for sticking with us, guys. Um, apologize for last week again. Uh, if you want to, we've got some stuff coming up. Um, we're going to have some website remodeling going on. Um, I'll put out on social media when that's happening. So, But until then, if you want to, we still have two websites, RidgeHunterOutdoors.com and RidgeHunterConsulting.com. Um, the Ridge Hunter Outdoors right now is still sporting goods and all of our Ridge Hunter products. So if you guys are interested in any of that, you can go check it out. Um, the podcast is also there if you want to find any other episodes or anything like that. Um, then Ridge Hunter Consulting, if you guys thought the season didn't go quite how you thought it should have, um, you're kind of at a loss, maybe you're picking up a new property you want to do something with, and you're looking for some help, you want us to come out and help you with it, go to RidgeHunterConsulting.com. You can get some more information on that. Um, get a hold of us. We'll take care of you there. So... Those are a couple of good ways to support us here if you're enjoying the podcast and the information that we're putting out, which is hopefully mostly good. I don't know. Some of it, who knows? <laughs> but uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you again next week.